I love triathlon. I love everything about it. I love racing. I love encouraging other people. I love coaching. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 62. Today, I have my first return guest. I again welcome Khadija Diggs. She is a mother, project manager, Team USA, and silver Ironman all-world triathlete. Training and racing started as part of her therapy to recover from a failing marriage and loss of loved ones due to cancer. Her goal is to open dialogue and connect women of all backgrounds on a personal level by sharing common experiences, joys, and struggle through healthy living, group training, and healthy competition. She's traveled all over the world, and she's learned that at the core, we are more the same than different. She wants to change the world one race at a time. Please welcome again, Khadija Diggs. Well, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. (laughs) You're my first return guest. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited to have you again. Um, I just want to talk about a few of your recent notable accomplishments. One being you were selected as the 2022 Diversity in Aquatics Award Athlete of the Year. Uh, Can you just tell me about that award and what it means to you? It's the uh, Cullen Jones Aquatic Athlete of the Year Award. And actually, when I realized I was nominated, I called my father uh, because my father is the one who taught me how to swim. I've always loved to swim. I even noted that it's, it's a family joke that I could swim before I could walk. How old were you when your father taught you how to swim? My mother said I was less than two. Okay. She said he first started putting me in the water before I was one, but I could swim from one end of the pool to the other before I was two years old. Oh, wow. Wow. So I could, yeah. So I could, I could swim a full 25 meters unassisted before I was two. And I remember my aunt telling me, we lived in New York, there's this huge pool at Bear Mountain State Park, and there are diving platforms. And I remember my father taking me on to one of the platforms and my aunt said he kind of threw me off and everybody around the pool was horrified. And I just popped up to the top and swam to the side. She said I wasn't even two yet. And it was, it was pretty funny. And you weren't scared at all. <laughs> you were just like, boom. <laughs> yeah. oh, it seems like all of my earliest memories are of me and my dad swimming and then um, my babysitters, uh, the Meissenheimers. I, I remember chewing gum sitting on the back stoop with uh, Pop-Up Meissenheimer. Those are, those are my earliest <laughs> childhood memories for some crazy reason. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. So you're a nominee. When did they announce the award? 
there's a voting process right now, and then they'll announce the awards on uh, in February. I believe it's February 11th. So it's in Florida. Um, I'm hoping I can go. I don't know if I can go, but I'm hoping that I can go whether I win or not. So I'm excited about that. Okay. Another um, award, you were selected as the Outspoken Woman of the Year for a triathlon by Live Thisty Media. That was really meaningful to me. And I actually posted a video just yesterday. The applications for DISC for this class, this year's class, have come in. We've closed the application, uh, bringing in the applications. So I was reading through some of the applications and the recommendation letters, and I'm setting up a, um, a selection call with the board of directors. And I was wondering to myself, you know, when, when did I decide to do this? <laughs> that was just a question that came to my mind. And somebody had contacted me earlier asking me questions about racing in South Africa. And I was uh, Googling one of the gentlemen that I spoke to in uh, South Africa. His name is Thulani. And for some reason, that a video came up. I was having this COVID meltdown. Mm-hmm. And somebody had asked me a question about triathlon. And, I, and I'm not one of those people that goes live all the time and all that kind of stuff. I went live and I said, you know, if, if you have a passion, that's your job. You know, whether you get paid for it or not, mm-hmm. there's people out there depending on you. And it's not enough just to do it and say, look at what I've done. You have to actively continue to help people. Once you've achieved certain things, and, and this is just my own opinion. I mean, people can disagree with me. It's no longer yours. It's given from God to give away. Mm-hmm. I agree. And when I watched, I, it was four minutes. I can't believe I babbled for four minutes. <laughs> but I was, it was almost difficult to watch. And I realized at that moment and on that video that that's when I decided that I was going to do disc. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew that it was going to be something that was going to take what was given to me and give it to somebody else. Okay. The thing is, when they told me that I won that award, I was frantic. I had just gotten the board of directors together. We were about to put out the applications so that people could apply to it. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was they were telling me at that moment that I was outspoken, that I had helped people. And in my mind, I hadn't done anything yet. But you have, but you have though. (laughs) That was just, that was just in my mind that I feel like just doing something and saying, look, I did it. You can do it too. In my mind, that just wasn't enough. And them giving me that award. And I, I even um, DM'd uh, Sarah to, to tell her that actually gave me more confidence to continue. Cause I've never set up a 501c3 before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a project manager. I've spoken to CEOs, owners of company. That's not a problem for me. But to set up, to select people, to be on a board of directors, to create an entity and define a short term, long term and what I call a legacy strategy so that this thing will live beyond me. I've never I'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. And I was scared. I was really I was really scared in this past year. With the first class of athletes, and um, I'm so grateful 
for the board of directors and the coaches who have stuck with me through this first year of just sometimes complete chaos. They have no idea how grateful I am to them. It's been an amazing experience. And um, the athletes, they're more like sisters and team members. They'll keep in contact with each other. That camaraderie that you saw at Rev3, it was real. They, I mean, they all stayed in one room together the day before the race. Um, during the race, we were all piled up in the van. It was amazing just to watch. I almost felt like I was like out of body just watching them, and it, it felt good. So as part of, I guess, forming this, was that a part of you getting your certification as a coach, or were you planning on doing that anyway? That was the reason that I did it. Okay. That was the reason that I did it. That was the first step. I had mentored. I always, every year, I always mentored one athlete, not necessarily coaching them. Actually, all of the athletes had primary coaches, but just to give them advice about doing a triathlon period, uh, my experiences, anything they maybe didn't want to talk to their coaches about, um, they could talk to me about. But I wanted to, even though I had coached myself and I felt like, you know, I pretty much understand what it takes to get from point A to point B, um, nutrition and those type of things. I felt that it was important to get the certification, uh, one, to make sure there were no gaps in my knowledge and also to hold myself accountable for not only gaining all the knowledge that I need, but making sure that I'm held accountable for continuing education. I don't feel like titles are the end all be all, but in some instances, it's important. Was it a difficult process getting the certification? Yeah, a lot of reading. Um, You have to take some pre-courses before you take the actual class um, and the exam. Uh, (laughs) I don't share this a lot, but I I am dyslexic, so I read very slowly. So um, the reading was a lot for me. I actually did really well on the exam. I got, uh, I think it was a 96 on the exam first try. So the fact that I am dyslexic, I take my time to make sure that I really understand things. And in a way, it's helped me because I think I'm more conscientious about studying than people who find it easy. Is it just a written test or is it a practical part as well? Yeah, there's practical and there's a multi-question exam. It's funny when they say it's a multi-question exam, you think it's going to be easy. It was hard. (laughs) It was really hard. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't think it was as hard as my professional exams because I'm a licensed uh, engineer and I'm a, a PMP a certified program manager and a certified agile practitioner. So I had to take exams for all three of those. And they, it was on par with those. It, they were, they were difficult. At the hardest was my engineering exam. I don't think there was anything harder than that. I was probably stone cold crazy <laughs> after studying for that, but it definitely was on par with my uh, project management exams. So your program DISC, which is a diversity infusion syndicate, correct? Yes. How did you come up with the name and what is your mission? Now you talked about it before um, yes. a few minutes ago, but can you just go into more detail about mission of this? So the mission is to promote excellence and sisterhood, um, as well as promote a positive image of of Muslim women and Islam in general. 
and to diversify the landscape of triathlon. In doing those three things, diversify the landscape of triathlon. It's not, and it's not just about sport. And I use the first three athletes that were selected as an example, especially looking at one athlete, uh, Nisha Bachwe. She's a PhD. Um, she recently accepted a position as, uh, as a dean at the University of Minnesota. She was previously at Georgia Tech. And you look at this woman and you think, well, she's so accomplished. What could a triathlon do for her? She was a member of the Metro Atlanta Cycling Club. And she had all of these accomplishments. She's a wife, a mother, super intelligent kids. But this was something, an accomplishment that she wanted for herself. And uh, it was also she wanted to get over her fear of open water swimming. And the funny thing is I knew she already knew how to swim. But I didn't realize she had a fear of open water till our first open water session. And I, I kept not, she swam well. And I was like, what's the problem? And she said, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. That was the hump that she had to get over. Whenever she was concerned about something or afraid of something, she realized all she had to do was say it out loud and then she could conquer it. Mm-hmm. And her finishing her first open water triathlon was she burst into tears because she had conquered something she had always been afraid of. Mm -hmm. And then we had Holly. Holly came to me. She had been a competitive swimmer. She had been on the cross country team. She's the type of athlete that USA triathlon should be hunting for. I didn't understand how they could overlook her. She's an amazing swimmer. She's a very strong runner. She had started Uh, participating in crit cycling. She came to me and said, you know, she said, I want to make the U.S. team. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. minute." And, you know, we did her assessments. I was like, okay, she has the potential. And we uh, decided to look at it as a two-year goal, um, recognizing that you'd be part of DISC for the first year. And I told her, I said, look, I'm not going to abandon you for the second year. And if we need to find you a new coach, I will make sure that we find a good match for you. And Lo and behold, she qualified for nationals right off the bat. She won her first triathlon outright. She won. <laughs> the whole thing. Not first in her age group. She won the whole thing. And then um, the, she had only done sprints. Uh, she came in uh, second in her age group at Rev 3 doing an Olympic distance. And uh, I don't even believe we had done some 10Ks in training, but she had never raced a 10K. Wow, that's amazing. So, uh, and she's a super strong, strong swimmer. She swims about a 120, 115 pace in the pool. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Her FTP when she started was only like 190. Her FTP is well over 200 now. Um, So she's an amazing athlete and she qualified for the U.S. team this year. That's impressive. Yeah. And uh, she's been very consistent and she's doing all this while she's in the last stages of her Ph.D., so she's she's super intelligent. She has her her brother swims for the Nigerian swim team. Super intelligent. She has great family support. Her parents. I I love her mother because she pulls no punches. She's very <laughs> frank. Very. And I I like that because mm-hmm. um, you know exactly where they're coming from. So I'm excited about that. And then Nora, um, as you know, as a Muslim, my biggest issues as a triathlete have come because I'm Muslim and I choose to race covered and. Having being able to train another Muslim athlete was very meaningful to me. 
Nora is an amazing runner. She runs, um, I think her personal best in the half marathon is uh, 129. Uh, but she she had never swam and she just, you know, cycled casually. She was able to complete a pool triathlon because, mind you, she's coming from not being able to swim at all. To doing triathlon. Do a pool triathlon. That actually, she actually ran her way to second in her age group. No. She said, she's like me. Once she's out of the water, game she's on. She's good. Yeah. Like, I can breathe now. <laughs> the thing about that is these women are all givers. Nora runs uh, an organization called Muslimas Endure. She'd been doing that for years, where it's just an organization that encourages Muslim women to, to get out and move, do anything. Swim, bike, run, exercise. She holds these challenges every month. Um, she's added a swim component to it. And because she was training with DISC, there were two uh, Muslim women in the community right here in Atlanta who completed the women's triathlon right here in Georgia. So just them knowing Nora and knowing that she was trying to do a triathlon, that encouraged them to do it as well. And that's so important. It's so important. She was there to encourage them. And I think that's important. I know we all talk about representation matters, but it's not just the representation. It's the representation and the hands-on reaching out that seals the deal. I agree. Because you know someone that cares and someone who kind of not just introduce you, but actually kind of guide you through it. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. I can honestly say that my most memorable triathlon moments are with other people. You know, um, when I first made the U.S. team, my best friend, Yulene Josiah Tanner, she's a professional runner. She runs for Guyana. Well, she used to run for Guyana. Now she runs for the United States on the master's team. It wasn't the fact that she said, look at what I can do. She was there with me. She came, all my big races, she was there. There's even a video when I was doing um, Chattanooga 70.3. She was so excited that I was running well. She had my backpack and something else in her hand. <laughs> she's running up the hill. You're doing great. You're doing great. And Tony Brown is like, she's running as fast as you with your backpack on. <laughs> Dude, thanks. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that she was physically there. She would do her long run, then go on a long run with me. I mean, those things, you don't forget those kind of things. Um, and I even look at the DISC coaches. Coach Alonga, I can't dismiss the fact that the reason that Nora can swim now is because of Coach Alonga. He was my mentor when I first started doing triathlon. Coach Ahuja helped me with the training camp. I, I know how to do a training camp now. He's a level two coach who by default became one of my mentors. I met him at a training camp and the advice that he gave me stuck with me. And when I, I am Tim about certain things, he would always respond and it, it was always positive. And then Christy Fenner, she's our, our yoga instructor. She held yoga sessions for the team every single week for the entire year. To me, that you can't you can't replace that. You can't replace that. But then you have Guy Mills. He's a he's a vice president at Clorox. He took two hours of his time 
to talk about cycling data and what does it mean? How can you utilize it? Those, those things are, are meaningful. It's not just being seen. It's being seen and reaching out in a meaningful way that seals the deal. That's what's going to take. Uh, it's going to take to diversify the sport, keep it open to everyone. I want seeing someone who's Muslim being at a triathlon to not even be a big deal. You should. There's not a lot of us, but it's, it's, you're not surprised when you see black people at triathlons anymore. It's start, it's opening up. I want it to be where when you see a black woman on the podium or you see a Muslim woman out there racing or a Muslim woman on the podium. Hello. It's not surprising. It's like, normal. Yeah, it's not, it's not surprising. I don't want to be a surprise anymore. Season three, we will continue the new segment called Ask the Dub. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or musculoskeletal health, go to my website, www.weouilife.com, click on the tab Voicemail, leave your voicemail, and select Messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now, back to the show. So, your program, how did you go about, say, choosing your board of directors and your coaches? I know you had personal experience with the coaches, but how did you go about choosing your board of directors, coaches, and formulating this program that sounds wonderful? I wish I could be a part of it myself. <laughs> I do. I do hope to expand. I'm taking it step by step. I'm trying to, like I said, I'm learning as I go. So I'm taking it step by step. I'm keeping it small so that um, and trying to develop processes that are scalable. So like this year, how I brought in the applications, I know it's scalable. It's easy to take in, you know, 10 or 15 applications. But when you get 50, it's a little bit harder. So I Mm -hmm. know that the process that I set up this year, I can handle bulk. Um, mm-hmm. applications. I, I was surprised I got quite a few this year. All of the people who are involved with DISC are people who touched my life throughout my triathlon career in one way or another. Every single person. Okay. I've known all of these people for quite some time. And I purposely, for this year, all of the officer for the, we're doing it in two year blocks for this year, that for this year and last year, I purposely wanted all of the board officers, the president, the uh, chief communication officer, and the chief financial officer to be women. Okay. There are male members on the board, but they, they're not the officers. The three male members who are on the board are Guy Mills, who is also doubles as uh, the cycling consult, Timothy Fawcett. He is the only other Muslim on the board. I hope to get other Muslims on the board. And I'm sorry, Stephen Achilles, him and his wife are dear friends of mine. And he is actually the CEO of a nonprofit. So he's been crucial in guiding me on uh, developing uh, processes and procedures, filling out paperwork. So I'm trying to do it the right way. So like I said, this is for me, this is something I want to live beyond me where 
even if my name is not associated with it anymore, it's something that people look forward to every year. How do you go about picking your athletes? Are they, they all local, correct? Holly was not local. Okay. The intention was to have all of the athletes local, uh, but she did make a huge commitment when it came to travel. She did travel to Georgia for the training camps. She met the team when we were in Virginia. Um, and she um, also came to train with me for a while. So she did make a huge commitment to that. I do intend to give priority to athletes who are in Atlanta or close to Atlanta, like, you know, maybe Charlotte or somewhere where it's easy to travel here. Um, but I realized with the experience with Holly last year, that if it's uh, an athlete who has a huge amount of potential and they're willing to make the commitment that we can overcome uh, the distance, especially with COVID, there was a lot of things that I intended to do in person. We did them virtually and it mm -hmm. actually worked out better. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. The assessments and drills and things like that. I really, I feel more comfortable with those being in person, but the fact that um, I sent Holly a underwater camera and so we did a lot of video and that type of thing. And actually the gentleman who is helping me with her swim technique is a friend of mine who lives in Havana. His name is Michel Gonzalez. He's a professional triathlete. And actually a lot of her swim assessment, he did it. So it, it would have been long distance anyway. Anyway. So it's not like mm -hmm. we're flying back and forth <laughs> to Havana every I mean I I've I've done it just flying flown to Havana for the weekend just to go see some friends and family. But it's not like, you know, I'm gonna be flying an athlete back and forth to Havana every week. So, but we did a lot of that uh, through video. And that's another, I mean, he's not officially on the board, but, you know, Michelle didn't have to help me. He, he, he just did it because of, he's that kind of person and just the relationship that we've had over the, the years. So is there, are there certain requirements? Like how did you pick those three out of all your other applicants? Um, we looked at what their goals were. And I think the the tipping point was, their recommendation letters. It's, but I think when we read Holly's recommendation letter from her brother, we almost cried. He adores her. And they have, like I said, she has a very strong family. Her, her family, they're immigrants from Nigeria. And I can, I totally related to her stating how she felt she was a Nigerian living in America because when you're when you're the child of an immigrant when you live inside your household you're in that country but mm -hmm. when you walk out the door you're American mm -hmm. and it's it's like you're living in two worlds simultaneously and mm -hmm. he just talked about how proud of her she was how she was always a good athlete she was always a good sister and how he always followed in her footsteps because she always excelled in her academics as well and she always put in so much effort even when she felt like she was the underdog, she would just continue to just push and do the best that she could. And, and it showed this year, you know, she, she really um, pulled it all together quickly. All of them did. I mean, they really, I was impressed with all of them. And even with having to deal with COVID protocols and uh, they achieved the goals that they wanted to achieve. So other than the letter of recommendation, what other um, requirements do you to apply for this? Do you require? So we, there's an there's an application, an application. The application isn't very long. Um, it's online. Um, and then uh, we select 
10 athletes for interview. And then okay. um, the letters of recommendation come before the actual interview. And then we have the interviews and then we sit and grumble over the interviews. And that's that's how. It, it so goes. the board kind of y'all decide out of the 10 people you interview, like who is selected. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that. And I think this year what we will do is we may have alternates. We'll see. We may have alternates. Depending on what our budget looks like next year, I may go to five athletes. Okay. Um, but we'll see. But I like keeping it small. I, I loved the, the, I don't know, it's just something about that. Yeah. I just, there's something I'm able to give each of them a lot of time. Um, and I noticed with, with athletes who aren't highly represented, the fact that in some instances they feel like they're not part of the group, mm-hmm. that intimate setting when it comes to their training and their coaching and the pre-race gives them that confidence that they need when they go out on that race course. Because mm-hmm. they, they, they know. They know. And they know that they're special. And they know that, you know, they got this. And I've been taught to do things the way that works best for me. And I'm, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. So is there an age range for your no. age? As long, as long as you have to be, as long as you're 18. No, you have to be 17 in six months, I believe. Okay. Age. But I've never had anybody under 18 apply anyway. So, but um, I'm not certified to coach junior athletes. Okay. I mean, I, I can, if the parent is there all the time, I, I would assume, but um everybody I've never had anybody come to me to ask me to coach them who was under 18 anyway but that is something I'm looking into there's a, a training clinic in Jamaica and I don't know I think all the athletes are 18 though it's okay. for their junior national team but okay. I believe all of the athletes are over 18 I think there's one athlete from Trinidad who's 17 right now I believe she'll be 18 before before March okay is there a cost to the athletes at all? The coaching is free, but I have worked out deals with uh, all of my sponsors. So they get a, a nutrition package, a uh, swim package, certain key gear items that they need as part of their initial package. But of course, mm-hmm. th- there is some cost to them related to gear, to travel, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But we do try to soften the cost. Each year as our budget grows, we'll be able to soften the cost more. But um, I'm very fortunate. I have amazing sponsors, especially F2C Nutrition. I can't, I know I always talk, I always talk about them, but one, they helped me at a time when I was really debating how I was going to continue in the sport because of health issues. They're amazingly honest people. Greg, I call him the mad scientist. He he really understands the human body and what we consume does to our bodies. Um, mm-hmm. They do a nutrition, a fueling. And I, I always have to be clear about this. Nutrition and fueling are two different things. Mm-hmm. They did a, a fueling seminar with us. And I'm also partnering with Jaja this year. Um, she has really helped me. Uh, I, we say that we stalk each other. She has really helped me in understanding what a good diet looks like, even though I'm not vegan, mm-hmm. I'm, I really, I don't eat meat every blue moon. I'll eat a piece of fish, but working with Jaja and understanding my diet, um, I'm going to ask if she can do, give them a quick seminar on 
just what to eat on a daily basis. And that mm-hmm. in conjunction with the fueling seminar with F2C Nutrition, that's something they can take with them for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. True. So, yeah. So um, the exposed uh, vegan is there. One of my uh, they're going to be on my kit this year. OK. <laughs> so, okay, um, okay. yeah, I'll be partnering with Jaja on a few things. So I'm excited about that. I use all fitness swim gear for training. In my opinion, they are the best in the business when it comes to swim tools that encourage your body to do the right thing from mm-hmm. the fins that they have to the agility paddles. I only use their their items okay. and they're all reasonably p- priced. So um, mm-hmm. they'll be getting a, uh, a fitness package. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. So it, it's dampened, but it's not 100 percent, 100 percent free. But the coaching is free and that that's a significant that's a significant part. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The level of the level of coaching that they will that they get is something that most athletes would probably pay about three to four hundred dollars a month for, if not more. Mm-hmm. I'm putting it conservatively. I adjust their plan uh, unlimited adjustments. I meet with them bi weekly. We have a Zoom call bi weekly to go over, you know, how they're feeling. Uh, where are they with their training? What do you have coming up in life that we need to look at to adjust your training? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we have that conversation. And actually I, when I started initially after we did all of their assessments and uh, got all the thresholds for the first month, I met with them every week. Mm -hmm. They have, of course, the personal yogi, Manjai Hosang uh, provides them with a strength plan. So they get a custom strength plan, yoga instruction, everything. And and then we have a coach, Coach Alonga, who provides additional uh, swim sessions, additional private swim sessions for those athletes that need it. And when I say that they're getting a world-class experience, they're getting an experience that I didn't get till I made the U.S. team. I can see because I hear all that and I'm like, hmm, because... A lot of people may get that, but they may pay like more than $400 and get it from different, different people, not just one program or coach. With that kind of experience, first, you're going to pay three or $400 a month just for the triathlon. Or more. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Additional, (laughs) additional, um, yeah, or more. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because any coach is going to meet with you more than once a month. They're going to charge over about $300 a month. If that, if not more mm-hmm. then swim coaches, each session is probably going to be 50, $60. A strength coach session is 50 to $70. So there, my goal is to not only train them, but to educate them. This is something I want them to be able to take with them for a lifetime. And if, if they become proficient to share it with others, that's the goal is for, to make sure that we share it with others. So after a year with you, uh, well, since this is the second year, did your athletes, you, know, you hooked them up with another coach? Are they self-coached or how do they continue on their journey? Nora is right now, she's self-coached. Nisha, because she has taken on this huge endeavor of becoming a dean at university. I'm immensely proud of her. I don't know that she'll be racing this year. Holly has requested to, has hired me as her coach. She has asked to stay with me. Even though I've, I've <laughs> not that I want to get rid of her because I love her to death. I feel like I've gained another <laughs> child, but um, she, she wants, she wants to stay with me. And I told her um, as long as she is continuing to improve and that she's happy, 
I, I will be her coach. She doesn't, she doesn't okay. want to go. Okay. So we keep, <laughs> yeah. We've continued with the, the same uh, process. So I've worked out a, a deal with her and her parents and how that's going to work. Okay. Now she's competing on the U S team, but she is considering racing for Nigeria. She wants to race in the Olympics as a Nigerian. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see if we can get her those, you know, w- world cup points and those WTS points and get her qualified for the Olympics. How does that work as far as the points? You know, I'm not really sure to be honest with you. I do know you need okay, a, okay. Certain, uh, so, a certain amount. Yeah, okay. I have uh, a friend who uh, races for Cuba. She's trying to do the same thing. Okay. So I'll have a couple conversations with her coach to make sure that we're okay. guiding Holly in the proper direction. So what are your plans for growth of this? Like what do you envision as far as next year and then the year after that? I know you said you wanted to go on and after you, yeah. but what is your, in the, in the next four, I say next five years, what do you envision as far as growth for your program? Definitely, I want it to be financially self-sustaining. I want to make sure that we have funding avenues where 90% of what the athletes need is paid for uh, through the program. I definitely want them to have skin in the game, though. I don't Mm -hmm. want it to be something that is, you know, 100% free. I definitely want the athletes to, to have skin in the game as far as that's concerned. I want to have processes and procedures in place so that if I fell off the face of the earth, it would continue to flow. So I definitely Mm -hmm. want to have, like I said, a legacy plan. So if I'm no longer the executive director, who, how is the executive director selected? What is the process for rollover of board members? This is something we've already documented, but of course we Mm -hmm. haven't done it yet because we haven't gone through the two-year cycle. But just making sure that it, it's established as a business, it's established as a pillar in the tri community, within the African American community, uh, within the African and Caribbean uh, diaspora, and within the Muslim community. It's funny. I remember my father telling me as a child, "You are ha- as people see you." Mm-hmm. I have black skin, and I have to be off. Really, quite frank about that. This I've I've even experienced quote unquote racism from black people because I wear hijab. So I mm. think people people first see me as Muslim, then they see me as black, and then mm. when they hear me hanging out with my family, they're like, "Oh, she speaks Spanish too." You know. So I think that's that's the <laughs> that's the that's the progression of of how people see me, and that's how. Not that not that I have to define myself or put my in myself in a box, but I'm a Muslim black Hispanic. That's mm-hmm. that's and that's that's the the hierarchy. Just like when people ask me, you know, what do I do? I always say I'm I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a project manager because I'm still in a position where I'm, I I need that to pay the bills. And then I'm, I've been on a triathlete. Mm-hmm. I have found my passion. I hope that one day. I won't need the project management to do, pay bills. To, to do what I do <laughs> to pay the bills. I, I, I love I love triathlon. I love everything about it. I love racing. I love encouraging other people. I love coaching. I love the gear. I am sponsored by Tri Serena, and I love Tri Serena. I love the woman who owns Tri Serena. Her spirit mm-hmm. is amazing. I wish I almost wish she would put herself 
out there more in front of the um of the brand because I think if pe- more people knew her story and knew how out the box she is, they mm-hmm. would love the brand even more. We did experiment with the full coverage kit. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, it it's not quite ready yet for prime time. So Varlo is doing my uh, custom kit this year, and okay. I had. I had an amazing time with Soji and um, his designers. Oh, good. And now Sika is sponsored by them now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so the <laughs> kit that they made is is fire. It is absolute fire. When people see this, even like I know people, there's quite a few people who aren't even Muslim who wanted a um, the Wakanda kit that I had. Mm-hmm. So the young lady that I mentored that year, she's the only other person. She I got it for her just a regular length, short mm-hmm. legs. She's the only other person in the world that has the Wakanda, Wakanda kit. kit. Glow. Yeah. So yeah. I will see what the response is to this kit from Soji. He may be getting a few more orders for the exact same design. I think, I think Jaja already ordered one. She's seen really? the, she's seen the design. She yeah. saw you. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, the kit is fire. If you have the opportunity and can afford to go through the custom design process with them, do it. Okay, um, have to check it out. The designers, yeah, their designers what? are very thoughtful. They brought my favorite colors into it. They even asked me about Islam. So when you see the kit, you'll see, I'm not going to, I showed a, the design schematic of it, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give away everything until I get the kit in hand. But when you see the patterns on the mm-hmm. kit, you're going to, you're going to feel like you're in Morocco. It's beautiful. Okay. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Wait to see the great, the great reveal. Yeah. So I guess speaking about your kit and the great reveal, what is on your schedule for 2022? So um, I'll be racing in Jamaica in March. Wow. That'd be fun. Yes. It's a, it's a draft legal, a draft legal Olympic. So that's, I don't do a ton of draft legal stuff. So um, I'm excited about that. I have boned up on my crit racing. Some people saw me zooming around town on my, uh, my trek in Monda. And they're like, yeah, oh, that's what I have. That's what I have. That's what I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I like, cause I love to climb. So the, the Madone. I, I got the Edmonda, put some 50s on it to get a little okay. bit more arrow, but I like to climb. So I, I went with an Edmonda versus the Madone. Then I will be racing uh, in Irving, Texas, the National Multisport Festival. And once again, I'm going to try a few events that I don't normally do. I'll be doing the Aquathlon, the Draft Legal Sprint. Okay. I didn't know they had a whole bunch of um, Draft Legal races. There's not a ton. Sometimes I don't like them because I'm a strong cyclist. And I don't like the fact that people can suck off my wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be like, get off my wheel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I've been doing, um, I've been doing some training to work on that to see if I can, you know, power up and drop a few folks. And so we'll see. It'll be fun. I, the 70.3s are my babies. So that's still my favorite uh, event. And I'm doing, I'll be doing Chattanooga. I'll be racing out in Oregon. I'm doing Oregon um, too. So I'll see you there. Yes, with Black with Endurance. I so I made a point of racing out there. So uh, Psycho Fitness, I'll be racing out there with a coach. 
uh, hopefully mm-hmm. if he goes and um, at least hopefully he'll be there to support if he can't race. Cause I know he just started his, his new business. I'm going to be racing out there. And then um, I'll be racing uh, North Carolina 70.3 with one of my, one of the athletes that I coach. It's funny. <laughs> Two of the uh, gentlemen that I coach are, are Muslim. They are, they're family. They have a big family uh, in the Muslim community. Both yeah. of them are amazing athletes. So I'm hoping that, you know, in coaching them, they are also people who will be, who want to give back to the Muslim community in with their, with their endeavors. And then I'm doing two falls, Alaska and Panama City Beach. So I, I actually declined my Team USA uh, slot this year mm-hmm. uh, just to focus on racing for fun. I mean, race Team USA is racing for fun, but I really... I just want to go places and, and do events just because I know who's going to be there. And I've been to Anchorage. Yeah. What made you choose that? A lot of people doing Alaska. Yeah, I've, I've never, I've never been there. I've <laughs> been to Anchorage, Alaska uh, as an engineer, just in, t- in the Delta hangar, nothing else. So I never, I went to Alaska and I never got out of the airport okay. and I've, I've never, so it's someplace I've never seen. I've never been to, to Oregon. So those are two places that I've never been. I want to race in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, because my mother was born in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. And okay. I know there'll be some people there. Um, yeah. My parents now live on Pauly's Island in South Carolina, so I'm hoping. My parents have never seen me race in person. Really? So I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. They're ex- yeah. excited. Yeah. My, I think my father is almost afraid to see me race. Why? I don't know because he, he, even when I ran track in college, I mean, I would run, I would run so hard I would vomit. And I think he thinks, oh, it's oh okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he made me that way though. He was my track coach. Um, oh, so it's his fault. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember, I remember having practices, and he would be like, I'd be like, Dad, I feel sick. He'd be like, Well, don't vomit on my my uh, don't vomit on my track. Next set is thirty seconds. <laughs> I would like no <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 30 segundos. Aparate. That's that's how it goes. I was like, okay, dad, I'll be back. <laughs> so I wonder how he reacts seeing you race. Yeah. He's older and softer now, so we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm a daddy's girl. Um, I love my daddy. Oh, that's good. And for you to see him as you as you're racing to see him. Although I, I see you as kind of the end of the zone. Do you notice people like when they're like cheering for you? Or are you kind of like zoned out? People have said they've said stuff to me on the bike and I don't remember anything. I, I really, mm-hmm. I think the only, I think Ironman Maryland was the first time I was cognizant of people, but I was so, I was vomiting so violently. It's like I was jelly, looking jellyfish. for help. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I just thought I was having a bad day. And then, um, I went to the doctors when I came back because I still wasn't feeling well. He said, has anybody ever told you you have, you know, a mild allergy? I was like, no, but, and I cramped in the water, which is surprising. I never get cramps. I got cramps in my calves. And I even, um, (laughs) I joked with the guy on the kayak. I said, gosh, my cat, my calves are cramping. I stopped for about three minutes. So it was, to make the cramp stop, I said, I know I'm hydrated. I've peed in this wetsuit at least twice. <laughs> he just busted out laughing. And I was like, did I say that out loud? You know? Well, hey. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they were everywhere. It was. Yeah, it was, I heard. I heard, which is why I don't think I would want to do that race. I don't think I ever want to do it because it's jellyfish. I already have anxiety in the water. And I just don't need nothing extra. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And the stings I had all over my neck. I got a couple like small ones in my mouth. I had one mm. and they were so small. I'd never seen any that small. There was one like stuck on the edge of my nose. It was really, it was, mm. it was, it wasn't pleasant. Oh, that would, that would have really freaked me out. I would, that would have yeah. really freaked me out. I would have had to stop like every, uh, yeah, it would have <laughs> yeah. But it, it impacted a lot of people. It wasn't just me. So, I mean, some people yeah. were able to get out of the water fast enough where it didn't impact. I think the, my biggest mistake was I should have swam through the cramps. I think that extra three or four minutes in the water, if I could have gotten out a little bit faster, I would have been less impacted. But even while I was standing mm-hmm. there, I could feel them stinging my feet and my arms. So, yeah. Mm. They were happy that day with all the people in the water. It'd be like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think they're eating anything. I think just, just, I don't know whether they crave the warm bodies or I don't know what it is. I don't know anything about that. I have never, I've never swam in, in the ocean. So. Yeah. So yeah. That's my jam. <laughs> I love, I love ocean. I'm looking forward to, you know, advancing there, but no, just lakes, rivers and the pool. <laughs> yeah. See, I hate the pool. I hate the smell of chlorine. It's a necessary. Well, I don't mind it because the pools I go to aren't as bad as, as some because I've been to some and mm-hmm. you can smell it like when you walk in walk in the door. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I swim in those that are, and maybe I kind of get used to it. So when I'm doing after I finish up, I'm going to the pools. <laughs> yeah. I have a question for you. In the past, you mm-hmm. um, dedicated races to someone in the that in your family or friends that was fighting. Our survivor of cancer, someone who lost the battle to cancer. Are you planning on dedicating any races this year to anyone? It's funny. Don Davis Calhoun, we didn't know each other extremely well. She truly touched my heart. Mine too, and I didn't really know yeah. her that well. Mm-hmm. Even when um, my daughter was ill, she was in the throes of her own cancer battle, she called to check on my daughter. You'll see on my kit, there is a dedication to her on my kit. Being part of uh, Tri-Serena, Tri-Serena, their national philanthropy is is skin cancer awareness. So it ties mm-hmm. right into the fact that uh, my national th- philanthropy is all cancer awareness. I will continue to kind of promote Don Davis Calhoun's memory. If anybody IMs me and wants me to race in honor of their family member, I will do that. And I mm-hmm. will also request that they make uh, donations to the American Cancer Society in that person's name. So I, that's what I, I would do. I would put out the link for the donations to the American Cancer Society and have those donations made in that person's honor. And I also continue to honor the legacy of my children's grandfather and uh, my niece who I lost to brain cancer. They're just the three people that have always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. I remember Mr. Perkins, the first year when I didn't make the U.S. team, him saying to me, you know, and at this point he already had the pancreatic cancer, that uh, "Ah, you're going to make it next year and I'm going to be there to watch you. And he passed away a month before the race. So he's mm-hmm. always, he's always with me. 
And my niece, she died at the age of nine of brain cancer. When I started training heavily, it was from therapy. To, it was my therapy to stop thinking about and questioning. And I always tell people, you know, you have to accept what's written. I was almost questioning how, how was it time for a nine-year-old to return? Mm-hmm. Those three will always, I, and I realized those three were always, my, my personal best 70.3, Dawn was on my mind. And I swear, I, I swear she was in my head on the bike. I biked 21.9 miles per hour for 56 miles. Wow. That's, That's the best. And it was, it was in, it was in horrible conditions. And I honestly think it was because just her memory was in my head. It's your angel that day. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I remember and coming you probably down. Heard her saying, I'm tracking that ass. Look, <laughs> I'm, I'm tra- that, literally, literally. And her saying, you got shit to do. You got shit to do. And it was funny because the morning was calm. The swim was very calm. And, and I, I think. I don't have the race report out there, but I need to put the race. No, the race report is out there. It's, it's called Full Combat. I cut my toe before the oh, race. And I didn't really think it was anything. And I remember getting off the bike and my whole cleat was covered in blood. Mm-hmm. My toe had completely split open, but there was no pain. There was absolutely no pain. No pain. And I mm-hmm. started, I started running. And literally, I think that was my fastest, um, yeah, it was my fastest half marathon off the bike as well. Cause I was afraid I'd bike so fast. I wasn't going to be able to run. It was fine. My toe didn't start hurting till I, there's a hill that leads up to Hotel Nacional in Cuba. I was running up that hill and that's when my toe started hurting. It was all over by then. <laughs> Amazing. You can say it's just all coincidence or whatever. I just, I feel like she was with me. Mm-hmm. Any parting words for my get listeners? Yeah, just tell them. I want everybody to enjoy the space that they're in. I know a lot of times people look at faster athletes or this athlete or that athlete. Enjoy the space that you're in and recognize that there is somebody who is inspired by you in the space that you're in. So just enjoy that and, and, and be you. And don't be afraid to reach out. And, and help other people. It's an amazing gift. As broke as I am sometimes, I, I tell, I often tell people, I'm the richest woman in the world. I'm literally the richest woman in the world. Well, thank you. That is great advice. Enjoy the journey. Be grateful. Gratitude is my superpower. It is literally my superpower. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, Please email Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love, O U R Life, 
people you I love. Thank you and please tune in again.